Hey, Faith Bible Church, Pastor Nick here. It's great to be together again on this Sunday morning. And uh, even though we can't uh, fellowship right there in the same room together, we're still going to study the Word of God, and that's going to be great. Today we're going to be looking at James chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And uh, uh, we've got to ask ourselves the question today, who are we at war with? This is what James is going to talk about. And so before we actually dive into the, um, studying the, the, the Scriptures, let's go ahead and read them together. James says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be friends with the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you not think it's without reason that the scripture says, The spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and moan and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves. For the Lord, and He will exalt you. James has some pretty powerful words, pretty strong words to, to tell to this church that, that he's writing to. And I think they're they're important for us today. And, and so we would be um, we wouldn't be mindful if we didn't uh, try to uh, reflect the same passion and the same intensity and, and the same strength that James is using as he writes to this church. He says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? You guys are at war, all right? And actually, you're at war, and your war is with the, the wrong person, the wrong people. And it says, you do. Uh, they don't come from your passions that wage war, or excuse me, don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. James is using some really, really powerful, some really, really strong language here, the, 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 the language of warfare. Now, these people, they weren't coming out, more than likely, they weren't coming out with swords and, and putting up shields against one another. They weren't, they weren't divided and actually having battle lines drawn in the sand where they were casting and throwing things at one another as in an actual battle. But he says, nevertheless, what you are doing is warfare. You guys are at war with one another, and he's going to tell us later that our war isn't with one another. It's actually against someone else. And so we are caught in this battle. The things that we are doing, the way that we are living, the way that we're behaving, is like we are fighting one against one another, but actually the battle is against someone else on the outside of the church. He says, we've got to, we've got to talk about this. What do you guys think you are doing? We, we know we're in a war. But we're, we're pointing our, our arrows, we're drawing our swords against the wrong people. And he says, the reason you guys are at war is because you desire and you do not have. This all comes from the, the, the selfishness that each of us is capable of. The self selfishness where we're only looking out for ourselves and we're not looking out for other people. He says, James says, you're getting trapped in the selfishness. You're focusing on yourselves and not other people. And I, I'm thinking about, you know, the day we're living in. Uh, you go to the stores, and again, they're, they're, they're empty. All right, well, why is that happening? 
It's happening because we, we're looking out for our own needs, our own desires, the things that we think uh, are going to keep us safe, where we're trying to hunker down. James says, no, this is not what we do as a family, as the body of Christ. This is not how we act or how we respond. First, first thing he says you need to do is, is, is you got to go to God. In verse uh, 2, he says at the end of verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. Are you checking in with God? Are you actually checking in with God when, when you think that you need something? When you think that, that something is going to fill a void in your life? When you think that, uh, you know, if you've got this one thing, the new house, the new car, the, 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 the new wife, the new husband, uh, if you had um, the, the perfect children, whatever it may be, are you actually taking that to God and asking his opinion on the matter? You do not have because you do not ask. You've not actually checked in with God yet. All right? You ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Okay, so first off, are you actually checking in with God? All right. Secondly, when you do, how are you going to God? How are you asking God about this thing that, that you think is going to make your life complete? Are you going to God and saying, hey, God, your will be done. Lord, I want to accept what, what you have to offer me, the gifts that you have to offer me. Are you going because you're, you're looking for your own pleasure, your own desires? You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasure. God says, you know what? I want to bless you. I, I firmly believe that God wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to take care of you. But if, if, if I'm looking from God's position and, and, and I come to him and, and say, hey, you know what, I could, I could really use another thousand dollars here. And God says, well, I could give you that thousand dollars, but what are you going to use it for? Are you going to actually look out for other people with that money? Are you actually going to try to take care of other people? Are you actually going to try to take care of your family and, and their needs? Or are you going to actually spend that on your own pleasures and your own desires? If I give you $1,000, are you actually going to put food on the table for your family? Or are you just going to go out and buy the next device? Because you think that's what's going to make you happy. That's what's going to give you joy in life. Well, of course, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give that to you. I'm not going to provide that for you because that has no benefit for kingdom growth. In it, you're not actually looking out for other people. You're asking because you have the wrong motives. You want to spend this on yourself. These guys were at war with one another as a church. And, and, and James says, you're, you're doing this because of your own selfishness, your, your heart attitude towards one another. Now, these guys were, were causing division in the church. There's a difference between division and disagreement. So just a little side thought here. There's a difference between division and disagreement. We are human. We are going to disagree. We're going to see the world in, in a different way from, from other people around us, right? That's just, that's just how it works. We all have different uh, gifts. We all have different minds. We, we all uh, work in different ways. We all process things in, in different ways. And so there's a difference between being divided against someone and being in disagreement with so we can, we can, as a church, we can come together and say, you know what, we need new carpet in the sanctuary. And we can have a disagreement on, okay, what is that color of this, the, the, the carpet in the sanctuary? What do we need? What do we want as the color? We can, have, we can have a disagreement around that and actually dialogue and come to a conclusion. that Okay, yep, you know what, I wanted this, they wanted this, this was the vote, here we go. It's going to be this, and we're cool with that. That's having a disagreement and then coming together and resolving that, you know, hey, what kind of, juice do we choose for the, the communion? 
what kind of crackers do we choose for the communion? Um, how how we um, how we steward things within the body? We we may all have different ideas, but it doesn't have to create division amongst us. What James is saying here is, hey, you're acting in your own interest. You are only looking out for number one, is what he's seeing here. And when you look out for number one, you're going to get easily offended. You're going to get easily hurt. You're going to get um, easily angry at other people if they do not treat you or make decisions the way you would or, or uh, do not do the things that you think that you should be doing. Those are the things that you're going to be, you're going to sow division. You know, when, when you uh, say you're at work, all right, and your boss makes a decision for you, says, hey, I'm going to, I want to put you on this project, I want to pull you off this project, and you're like, oh, but I was so looking forward to being a part of this project, and these are all my great ideas and things like that, and your boss says, no, no, I actually need to take you off that and put you somewhere else, all right? Well, you can choose how you're going to respond, right? You can, you can go to the water cooler and, uh, and, and be talking with all your friends and say, you know what, our boss is a real idiot. He talk, took me off this project. I really wanted to be on this thing. I'm going to bring a lot of value. This is where my giftings and my skills, my talents are. Uh, I don't understand why he took me off this thing. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to run this company to the ground. All those kind of things. And what that's doing is, is uh, you didn't get what you wanted. And therefore, you're going to bring that to the water cooler, to other people, and start to slander or gossip or bring other people into your conflict who had no business being in that conflict. So you've taken a disagreement or you've taken an area of offense or an area that's angered you, brought other people into it, pulled other people into your side, onto your side, so that you could push that other person away, that you could you could disparage that other person, that you could, you could uh, tear that other person down who you are in disagreement with. James says, hey, you're not getting what you want. Maybe you've been offended. Maybe you're angry. Uh, maybe there are other things going on. It comes down to you did not get what you want. You feel like you're out of control, and you're responding by going to war with one another. It reminds us, you do not have because you do not ask. Check in with God. You say you're Christians. You say you believe in Jesus Christ. Check in with God. God, you know, how should I handle this situation? How should I handle this situation? And when you do check in with God, ready, be ready in a position of humility to say, God, your will be done versus, hey, God, here is my wish list. Here are the things I need. Here are the things I want. Can you just go down, check off the list, and give me all of those things, and then I'll be cool, I'll be satisfied and content. James says, no, no, that kind of attitude is causing war and division uh, between you. And he says in verse 4, says, you adulterous people. You adulterous people. He's using language from the Old Testament and um, when, when he's reminding them that, that they are in a, a relationship with, with, with God. And their relationship with God is like that of, of uh, a marriage. All right? And he says, you are actually being unfaithful to God the way that you are treating other people. You may be saying, wait, wait, what do you mean? I don't have a problem with God. I've got a problem with this other person. If this other person would just get in line, then we'd be all right. I have no issues with God. And he's saying here, wait, wait, no. The way you treat other people reflects your relationship with God. The way you treat other people reflects your relationship with God. Jesus said this in Matthew 25. Truly I tell you, 
whatever you did for the one of uh, one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for one of these, the least of these, you did for me. You responded to me in that way. And so when you are generous with other people, you are generous to me. When you are kind to other people, you are kind to me. When you are angry at other people and, and, and out to tear them down, you are tearing me down. And James says, when you do that, you are unfaithful to God in your relationship with God. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be friends of the world becomes the enemy of God. Whoever wants to be friends with the world becomes the enemy of God. Let me, let me uh, use this illustration, if I can, for just a second. We, we know that we have a problem. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, we call this sin, all right? Uh, and we know that sin gets in the way of our relationship with God. We know that we live in a fallen world. We know that we live in a world that, that keeps feeding us the message of, hey, just look out for yourself. Do what you need to do. Don't worry about anyone else. Kind of that's the that's the drive. You know, get the power, get the, the prestige, get the new stuff. That's the message of the world. And James is saying when you when you live in that message, when you act out that message, when you participate in that message, you are not acting as friends of God. And so let me use this illustration here. We can choose the world over God. Uh, in, in the way that we're living. As, as we're sick, we know we have a sin condition. We know we live in a fallen world. And so we know there's all this stuff around us that, that is affecting our, our lives and, and, um, and our relationships with one another and with God. So we know there's a problem out there. We know there's an illness out there. And so what we've, we've we said is, okay, it, there's an illness out there. There's a problem out there. I can choose to go to a doctor who has the knowledge, the expertise, the ability to provide me things that will help solve this illness or this sickness in my life. I can choose to go to the doctor, and this may be, this may be a long-term thing, you know, where the, the doctor's looking out for my long-term interest. But what we do instead is we choose to go to the quick fix. Instead of going to the doctor, we go to the drug dealer, and we look for that quick fix. We look for that quick that hit that'll give us, that, that'll, that'll soothe our pain, that, that'll, that'll ease our pain, that'll, that'll dull our minds, instead of going to the doctor who has the answers right in front of him, who has the ability to help us through this trial, who has our best interests in mind, we go to the drug dealer instead of the doctor. And this is like our relationship with God. God is standing there, right there, waiting for us. Hey, come to me. Come to me. Jesus says, hey, come to me, all you who are weary and who need rest. I will give you the rest that you need. I will give you the peace that you need. I will give you the hope that you need. But we we, we push that God aside and we say, no, I'm just looking for that quick fix, that thing that, that's going to fill the void in my life right now, right here, right now. I'm going to seek that out and see, instead of seeking you, God, the great physician who has my best interest in mind. But the good news is, even in that, the good news is, James says, God gives grace God is always looking to give you grace. God is always looking, he says, to give greater grace. In verse 6, he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God gives 
grace. That is the good news. God gives greater grace. God gives perfect grace. God gives complete grace. But just caveat, there, there's you got to look what's going on here. We got to evaluate where we are and how we are coming to God. God resists the proud. The, the proud who, if you're proud, uh, you, you you filled yourself up with all your stuff, with the world stuff. You you filled yourself up completely with that. There is no room for God to work in your life. And God says, I resist that. All right? If you choose to walk a different path, if you choose not to follow me, I'm not going to push. I'm not going to pull. I'm not going to try to to coerce you or trick you or manipulate you. All right? I resist a proud attitude because there's no room in your life for me. But he gives grace to the humble, those who recognize and realize, oh yeah, I know I need help. I know there's something in my life missing, and I need God's help. I need to, I want to empty myself out. To be humble means really to empty yourself out. And God says, now I can fill you up with the good stuff. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives complete grace, perfect grace, the greater grace. And it starts, starts first and foremost with the grace that has come through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross, allowing us in, to enter into a relationship with God. And then he continues to give us grace so that we can grow and we can mature and we can develop uh, into the people that God wants us to be. And James says, will you put brakes on that? You've put brakes on that. God is offering you grace but you're too proud, you're too self-absorbed, you're too into your own stuff, you're, you're too into your own uh, argument, you, you've got caught up in, in your own offense that, that you're pushing God away. It's literally like you're pushing God away and you say, I just want to do this on my own. He says, you have been an unfaithful people when you do that. But look here, God still gives grace. God still wants to give you grace. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he goes into verse 7 through verse 10. In this section here, these next few verses are all about repentance, all about what it means to repent, all about what it means to turn away from the world and turn to God. And the first thing he says here, there's a couple things that we have to do. The first thing he says here is, therefore, submit to God. Allow yourself to be opened up to what God wants to do in your life. All right? The, the, the term submission gets a bad rap in our culture. We think of submission as, you know, I'm going to be the doormat. I'm going to be walked all over. I'm going to give up all control, all power. People are just going to walk all over me. People are going to use me. People are going to abuse me. And that's not the kind of submission that James is talking about. He says, submit to God. Yes, open yourself out fully to what God wants to do with you and through you. What you're doing is you're, you're emptying yourself out and saying, I can't walk in my own power uh, through this life. I I can't do this on my own. And so what I want to do, God, is I want to work through your power. I want to work through the, the spirit uh, who is inside of me, who you've given me. Submission to God means I'm giving up my own power to work through God's power. And this is a critical point for the next task James is going to give him. You can't do the next thing if we've not submitted to God and said, I can't do this on my own. God, I need your power to fill in. I need your spirit to work through me. I want to walk the steps that you have for me, because the next thing he says you need to do is resist the devil. 
resist the devil and he will flee from you. We love that passage. We love that. Oh yeah, I can I can just do a shout out to the devil and he's going to he's going to flee from me. You cannot do that. You cannot actually resist the devil unless you have submitted to God. How many times, you know, have you gotten tripped up when you are, you know, you're tempted to to do something you know you should not do and you get tripped up at that because you're 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 working in your own power. You're working in your own strength. And this thing that, that continually uh, tempts you and, and trips you up will continually do that because we cannot resist the devil out of our own power. We need to first submit to God and say, no, God, it's your power. It's your strength that gets me through this trial. All right? The word resist is an active word. This is all active. Submit, active, resist, active. The next thing we know, we see in here is draw near. It's going to be active. The word resist is an active word in the Greek. Basically, it means to set oneself against, to withstand, to oppose. And if you think about the devil, uh, he's, he's compared to a roaring lion in the scriptures. You cannot set yourself against the roaring lion without the tools of God that God wants to give you. Uh, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah, and he recognized this when there was a great... Um, enemy coming against them, and they were totally outnumbered for this battle. And he prayed to the Lord, he prayed this, Oh God, will you not judge them? Okay, God, you are the judge. Will you not judge them? For we have no power against this multitude that is coming against us. We have no power against this force that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. Okay, we have no power, and we don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And then God answered him. This is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. God answered them, and he, he, he answered King Jehoshaphat's prayer, and through a prophet and said, the battle is not yours, but it's God's. The battle is not ours. This is God's battle. God is using us in this battle, but this is ultimately God's battle. Ephesians 4, Paul tells us, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil an opportunity in your life. Actively resist him, but you cannot resist the devil if you have not submitted to God's power. Temptation is going to come to all of us. We are all in the same boat. Even Jesus was tempted. We see in, in Luke chapter 4 that, that Jesus was, was tempted. All right? And if Jesus can be tempted, how much more can we be tempted in this life? Luke chapter 4 says, Then Jesus left the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit. That is key. That's critical. Full of the Holy Spirit. And was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. See, We, we see that, that Jesus himself made himself an example for us by submitting to the Spirit in order to make his way through this trial. Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they were over, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. And then the devil took him to high places and said, Hey, I will give you all the power. I will give you all the authority because it's been given to me on this earth. The power of this earth has been given to me, but you know what? I will give it to you if you just worship me. And Jesus says, uh, isn't it written? Jesus is quoting scripture to him. Jesus is using God's word. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's using God's word against the, the devil. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil comes in and gives him another test and says, hey, basically, I'm going to take you to this high place. Throw yourself down. The angels will catch you, right? You're the, you're the son of God. The angels will protect you. And Jesus says, it is said, do not test the Lord your God. 
And after the devil had finished every temptation, he departed him from him for a time. Even Jesus, in his ministry, Son of God, was, was brought into temptation, was drawn into temptation, and Jesus submitted to God and, and worked through the power of the Holy Spirit to resist the devil's temptations. James says, first and foremost, you need to submit to God. And then next, you need to resist the devil because he will flee from you. When you are working in God's power, he will flee from you. And the next thing he says here is then, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I think this is interesting. James bookends resisting the devil with, with submitting to God and drawing near to God. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about, okay, temptations in my life, the things that, that I use to, to fill the void in my life. When I, when I have a, an emptiness inside of me and I'm not going to God, if I'm pursuing something else, I'm trying to fill voids in my life. And I think as we resist the devil, we're going to notice those voids in our life. We're going to notice those places that if you, if you actually resist temptation and you do not take that step and step into the action of whatever sin it is that, that, that trips you up, what you're going to find is you're going to find there are voids in your life that need to be filled. And James says, hey, when you experience those voids, don't go running back to the old stuff, the stuff of the world, the stuff that trips you up. Go running back to God. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God is there saying, I want to, to be in your life. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to work through you. Will you allow me to do that? Will you allow me to do that? James says the only way that those empty voids will be filled is if we we realize that, oh no, now I need to draw and lean into God and what God has for my life and allow him to fill those voids. And the way God's going to fill those voids is going to look totally different than the way that the world is going to fill those voids. All right? And uh, the devil is going to keep coming in and trying to tempt us and trying to draw us away from that. And our job is to submit ourselves humbly before the Lord and say, I want to work through your power. I can't do this on my own. Then resist the temptation, resist the sin, and then draw near to God because he wants to draw near to you. Paul speaks of battle. James is saying, hey, you guys are warring against each other, but you're warring against the wrong person. The, the person, the, the enemy that you need to be warring against is the devil. And, and Paul talks about what it means to battle against our, our enemy in, in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. We know you're at war, and God has given you the tools that you need to battle against the devil. And he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of, this, of the darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Our war is not against one another. As a body, James is saying, you're, you're, you're going to war with the, with the wrong people, all right? Turn, turn your, your swords on the right enemy. And, and Paul says, this is, this is the, the weapons that God has given you so that you can uh, fight against the enemy. Put on that full armor of God. Again, it's active. Put it on. Put it on. Belt of truth. Breastplate of righteousness. Uh, have your, your feet sandaled with the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. James, as he's taking us through this passage, he's reminding us that sin is a serious thing. 
we cannot take sin lightly. And he, he is coming out very firm, very strong uh, against how this church is behaving, how they're acting with one another, their, their behaviors, their, their actions, their words, uh, how they, they've divided themselves. They're no longer working as a team, as the body of Christ, but, but individuals uh, warring against other people because they can't, they can't get what they want. They don't get what they want. And James is saying, we need to take this, this thing called sin very seriously. We need to take, uh, um, we need to see that our need for God is very serious as well. Uh, interesting passage. He was thinking about this. Jude, he's, he's got a letter uh, in the New Testament. And um, as we go to battle, this is a serious thing. As we go to the battle against the, the devil, this is a serious thing. And Jude says this, yet when Michael, the, the archangel, was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body. So here we have Michael and angel disputing, uh, having an argument with the devil um, against a matter of Moses' body. Uh, Michael did not dare utter slanderous condemnation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Even the angel Michael knew that, that who had the power, who had the control, who was the true judge in this situation, who was going to win the battle in, in this, this situation he was in. It was not through his power, but it was through the Lord's power. And he, he took that very seriously. We need to take this thing called sin very seriously. We need to take inventories of our own uh, desires, the things that drive our hearts, the, the, the sin, the temptations, those things that trip us up in life. We need to take inventory of what those are. And I have a feeling that you know what those things are in your life. These are the things that continually trip you up each and every day even, all right? And, and help you, they, they cause you to, to stumble and struggle with your relationship with God. I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that you know what those things are. And if, tell you what, if you can't think of any, Tell you what you do. You go ask your, your wife or you go ask your husband, hey, what are those things that trip me up in life? All right, what are those things that, that cause um, a conflict in our relationship? Go ask your kids. What are those things that, that, are, that are causing you and I not to be right here? Uh, you know, go ask your boss. You know, I, I feel like there are things tripping me up at the office. I can't quite put my, my finger on it, but I know there's some things that, that I'm getting angry over. I'm getting frustrated over. I, I don't respond appropriately. Tell you what, hey, boss, can, can you help me out here? I want to be a good employee, all right? I want to be a really good employee. I want to be a good husband, or I want to be a good father. Can you help me out here? Can you give me some feedback on what you see going on in my life? And then tell you what you do. You shut your, your mouth, you bite your tongue, and after they've given you their, their feedback, you say, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you speaking into my life. First step is we take inventory of, of our lives and the things that trip us up, maybe even seeking the opinions of others who are close to us in our lives so they can help us grow in our walk and relationship with the Lord. And we don't bite back. We don't get offended. We don't get angry. We don't try to justify our actions, our behaviors. And we just say, okay, I know this is tripping me up. I want to do something about this. Lord, I, I give this to you. I know I need your power, your strength to get through the day. It means looking at our own lives and asking the question, does, does this, the, does the, the way I'm acting, does, how I'm responding, how I'm living, does this match up with God's words, what, what he desires for my life, the, the way that, that he wants me 
to live. And we can't be casual about our, our, our Christian walk. We can't be casual about this. There's the reason that James reminds us that we need to submit to God. We don't like submitting to anybody. He, say, he reminds us, you need to submit to God. I don't want to submit. I don't want to give up my control. I don't want to give up my power. I don't want to give up my say. I don't want to give up my influence. I don't want to give up any of that stuff. And James says, no, no. Remember, you need to submit to God. It's by God's grace, his strength, that we're they're working day by day, that we're navigating day by day, that we're able to, to, to stay away from being drawn into the sin through temptation. Submit to God. And James says we need to do a couple of things. Uh, verse 10, 7 through 10, I said, was, was all about repentance, what it means to, to repent and turn the other way. And he says, you need to clean, your, cleanse your hands. Clean your hands, sinners. Clean your hands, sinners. Now, we are living in a time and, and a, a moment in time when we are uber, ultra sensitive about washing our hands, right? He says, actually, you need to clean your hands. And what he's talking about is those, those external actions, the external behaviors, the, the way we respond to people, the, the things that we say to people, uh, the things that we do, how we feed into other people's lives. When you were cleaning your hands in the Old Testament, you were, you were showing that, yeah, I'm in right relationship, pure relationship with God. I'm getting myself pure. I want my, my actions to, to be pure and, and undefiled. All right, he says you need to clean your hands. Those, those actions, those behaviors, those things that, how you interact with other people, you need to get those things right. You need to repent of that. Turn around and start getting that right. We need to purify your hearts purify your hearts. Those are the internal attitudes, the desires that, that drive us, the things that drive us in, uh, in day to day. He says, purify your hearts. And how do you do that? You submit to God. You submit to God. Sin is a very serious thing, James says. He takes the time to, to point this out, and he uses, again, some very strong language. He says, be miserable and mourn and weep. Well, that sounds fun, right? That sounds fun. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. What he's talking about here is, is the laughter, the laughter of pride, the laughter of, of living a life that, that, is, that is spitting in God's face, that is not, not following uh, what God wants you to do, what God desires for your life, and you're actually laughing at God. It's like you like you're laughing at God from the sidelines, saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to do anything that you say. I'm just going to live the, the way I want to live. All right? He says, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. The joy is the joy that he's talking about, the, the joy that we get when, when, we, when we dive in to that, that sin. And it's for our own personal pleasure. It's, it's for that, that moment where we just want that quick fix to be filled and, and uh, have that that. that that moment of, of pleasure that's not going to last, all right? He says you're, you're finding joy in the wrong things. J James is not telling us to, to, be, to uh, um, be mopey and, and, and down and, uh, and, and, um, and miserable. That's not the message that James is giving us, but he's saying the sin thing is very serious. And if you're laughing at God, if, you, if your life is, is really like spitting in God's face, or you're, you're finding your joy in the pleasure of sin, you need to totally turn that around. You need to totally turn your behavior. Repentance means to, to turn, all right? You're, you're totally turning, and, and you're, you're starting to walk in the right directions. In the right direction, he says, 
and it requires that you humble yourselves before the Lord. And when you humble yourselves, he will lift you up. He will exalt you. He will place you in the position where he wants you to be, at working where, where he wants you to work. Hebrews 2, verse 14 says, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these things. All right, we're flesh and blood. Jesus wanted to to be, uh, to, to uh, be the example for us, excuse me. And so Jesus also shared in these things so that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by fear of death. You are free to choose how you will live. And the freedom that is found in Jesus Christ or the bondage of selfish desires and pride that the world is pushing, we are free to make a choice in that. And, and fear and anxiety and gossip and division and, and, and being at war with one another is, is very contagious. All right? It's very contagious. But so is love. So is peace. So is compassion. So is generosity. And so is forgiveness. How will you choose to live this day? See, we have to answer the question, who am I at war with? I at war with other people around me, or am I actually side by side, shoulder to shoulder with my brothers and sisters at war with the, the enemy right in front of us, the enemy who wants to kill and destroy the work of God? Am I, am I pointing my, my bow and arrow at my friends and my family, or am I actually pointing the bow and arrow at the, the true enemy, the true enemy? Paul says, Paul says, our our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this world. How will we choose to live this way? How will we choose to go to war? May you find and continue to live in the freedom that comes from your relationship with God. And may you have an ever-increasing faith in Jesus Christ, confident in the position he has granted you as a friend and sons and daughters of God, always knowing that the Holy Spirit is the one who gives you power to resist whatever this world is going to throw at you. You are loved, you are free, and you are prepared to accomplish great things for God, your Father. Even during these strange times, our God is still the same, and our mission is still the same. We are here to spread the love and hope that comes from Jesus Christ to our towns and communities. In order to do that, the church keeps moving and working. And we want to spend a, send a special thanks to everyone who has continued to give over the last few weeks. If you would like to be part of the ministry of FBC, we want to continue to extend opportunities for you to give your tithes and offerings as well. We can't pass the plates like we normally do, but there are still plenty of ways that we can worship God with our gifts. The easiest way to support FBC is to use our text to give option or through the online giving option on the FPC website. Of course, you can always send your checks and cash to the church office. As we continue to find new and creative ways to serve and reach our community, we thank you for your help in this work. God bless.